Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, as you can tell, we lost half our power today. Uh, if you were driving down Ridge Road, you noticed some of the lights were out, so that's why we're kind of just everything's half. Yeah, it's called a brownout. I didn't even know that's what it was called, but I saved the day. Just want to let you know that. Thank you for clapping because you don't even know what I did yet. But um, if in the sound room, we have, we have this uh, fire door that goes down. And, and so I came in and goes, that, that was not working. The sound was working, which was great. We had what, part of the video thing was working. Obviously, the screen over there wasn't working. And we couldn't get the door up. I mean, it's, it's heavy. And, and so we're scrambling around. They're looking for crowbars you know, things to lift the door up so the sound room can see what's going on up here. It was a real dilemma. It was, it was going to, that was going to tank everything this morning. But I came in this morning (laughs) and I go, what's this lever for? And I pulled this lever down and it released everything to lift up the window without the power. So I saved the day. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. It feels good that I can do one thing, fix one thing. And, you know, 15 years that I've been here, I feel good about that. I uh, heard this story about a young man in his 20s named Ben Carpenter who went outside to enjoy a sunny day in Michigan in his electric wheelchair. And he was crossing the street uh, when the light was red and Ben almost made it across this intersection when the light turned green. And at that light, was a semi-tractor trailer who did not see Ben in his wheelchair. And as Ben almost got across, this tractor trailer bumped Ben, which turned his wheelchair facing forward without the tractor trailer driver seeing him and the his the, the 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 handlebars on the wheelchair got stuck in the grill of the tractor trailer and the tractor trailer began to go down the road at speeds of 60 miles an hour. True story. One mile, two miles, three miles. Ben had a seatbelt on. Four miles. Finally, motorists we're calling 911, and finally police came to pull the tractor trailer over and uh, stop the truck. Ben did not receive a scratch. Just a little scared. There he is right there. This is a true story. He was on the ride of his life. <laughs> now, how many of you know that we can be crossing the intersection of life and in a moment, we can find ourselves four miles down a road we never intended to go. And, And it's easy to fall into the trap thinking that we are in control of our lives, but we soon discover, how many know this is true? We soon discover that life can always take a turn at a moment's notice. And so many of us find ourselves in places that we do not want to be. And, and this can get, if we're not careful, this can get real discouraging. And we can say things like, why is this happening to me? This is the story of Joseph. 
And we're in chapter 3. I hope you're reading the story. I hope you were good students of the Bible this week. And you read the story about Joseph as we go through the major stories of the Bible for the next 30 weeks. And seeing what the Bible has to say about God's redeeming plan for man. And what we will see this morning is that Joseph's life went four miles this way, then four miles that way. Yet the incredible thing about Joseph was that he was able to see life from a different perspective. And if we're not careful, the circumstances in our lives can take over us to the point that we become so cynical and weary and hopeless that we forget that there is a sovereign God that oversees everything in our life if we trust him. And that God is working on our behalf. And Joseph had this ability to know that God was doing something greater. And Joseph stayed close to God through these horrible circumstances that happened in his life. And this is one of the stories of the Bible that I want to jump into today because it's so incredible. And many of you know the story of Joseph because uh, it was made into a play. Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? It's, it's a popular play. But this is an amazing story for this reason. It's a story about grace. It's a story about God using adversity to fulfill his plan. It's a story about even when we think things aren't going our way, God is still in control and we can trust him and not give up. It's an ultimate picture of Christ who fulfilled the Father's plan under extreme opposition, who still shows grace when grace was not deserved. The underlying story is a picture of God redeeming us back. And Joseph's life is a very symbolic of this very thing. So I want to take a deeper look at this story, and uh, and, and I want to just do an overview of his life, and, and how does his life fit with the overarching story of God redeeming Man. Well, Joseph, as you saw in the video, uh, Joseph's father was Jacob. He had 11 brothers, one sister. His grandfather was Isaac, and his great-grandfather was Abraham. We looked at that last week. Now, this family wasn't the best family. His father had four wives. Joseph was his favorite. In fact, his dad gave him this beautiful coat, which Joseph showed off. And Joseph also had a dream where he would rule over his brothers, and to make things worse, he actually told them about it. Now, how many of you, let's play this out, how many of you have brothers, and if you were to say that you were going to rule over them, how many of you say that would probably not work out so well, right? Uh, It didn't work out so well for Joseph. And because of this, his brothers despised him to the point of wanting to kill him. This was a dis functional family. Many of you can relate to dysfunctional families. You may say our family put the dis in functional, right? Uh, you, you, you may be thinking we had no function. Uh, my family was a train wreck. And, and yet, yet God, yet God still used this situation to accomplish his ultimate plan. God will accomplish his plan. Now follow this. You may think my life is too messed up. My family is too messed up. 
The choices I made were too messed up. God, how can you, how can you use this? God will use us and he will use it to eventually accomplish his plan. Never lose hope in that. And I hope this story gives a lot of you that feel like it is too late a lot of hope this morning. So let's jump into the passage here in Genesis 37. I want to read verses 12 and 28 to, to verses 12 through 28 to see uh, at the beginning here when Joseph was was uh, met up with his brothers and what his brothers did to him. And I want you to see in Joseph's life the adversity that he had to overcome and still trust God. So let's look at this. Starting in verse 12 in chapter 37 of Genesis. It says, Now his brothers have gone to, to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel, who is Jacob, said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are, are grazing the flock near Shechem. Come, and I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. Then he sent, them, sent him off far from the valley of Hebron. Now, isn't it interesting that all his brothers are out there working, but Joseph is home, okay? So you, you kind of see the tension there. And so when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? And he replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Uh, can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They have moved from here, the man answered. And I, and I, and I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them near Dothan, but they saw him in a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. So they've had all this time out in the fields to think, how are we going to get, get him? And so here comes the opportunity. And they say, so here comes the dreamer. Okay, that was very sarcastic. Okay, you think you got dreams? You think you're going to rule over us? And then they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and, and say that a ferocious animal de- devoured him. And, 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 and then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They are so adamant about doing this that they want to kill him. That, that's how much hatred there is between the brothers and Joseph. And so when Reuben heard this, one of his brothers, he tried to rescue him from their hands and said, let's not take his life. Let's, let's not go that far, he said. Don't shed any blood. Let's just throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness and don't lay a hand on him. And Reuben said to, to rescue him from him, then take him back to his father. Let's just, let's just teach him a lesson, but let's not go this far. So Joseph, when he came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, his ornate robe he was wearing. So not only did Joseph come, but he's got the robe on in your face, right? So this isn't good. And so they took him, threw him in the, the cistern, the cistern was empty. This is where they would hold water, but there was no water in it. And as they sat down to, to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. And their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brothers and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the, when the Midianites, this merchants came, his brother pulled Joseph out of the cistern, sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So basically his brothers sold him into slavery. So Joseph, go back to the story, Joseph taken to this foreign land, betrayed by his brothers. He sold to a man named Potiphar, who is an official of Pharaoh, and what happens is he's this uh, servant of, uh, of this man named Potiphar. 
Joseph finds favor and, and as a servant, he succeeds. Now, how many of you know that on the heels of success comes our greatest temptations? So here, Joseph, the Bible says, was very handsome. And Potiphar's wife thought so too. Joseph is 17 years old and he's a stud. He's good looking, all right? And Potiphar's wife sees this teenage boy, this handsome boy, and she finds him very delightful and not the ways that are good. And so let's read this in Genesis 39, 6 through 10. Listen, this is the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up, okay? So some of you that don't read the Bible, you need to start reading it again because it's fun. There's some really neat things in here, okay? So let's read this. It says, so Potiphar left everything, everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. He said, man, Joseph is great. He is my right-hand man. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, a.k.a. stud-alicious. That's what Joseph was, okay? After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. He said, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master, my master, my master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You see where Joseph's priorities were? And and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, He refused to go to bed with her or even be, check this out, or even be with her. Check this out. Are you hearing me? See, see, temptation is great. We get, well, I'll get, let me see how close I can get to it. Right? How many know that's not a good thing? See, he refused to even be with her. See, something here is very interesting to me. Many of you may think and say, what is the big deal? Let Joseph have a little fun. He's 17. He was sold by his brothers. Joseph had every excuse in the book. Dysfunctional family, overindulgent father, brothers who hated him, mother who died when he was young. He was all by himself in a country where no one knew him. Nobody knew him. He could have easily gave into this sin and And no one would have cared. No one would have known. You see, here's the sign of real integrity. Joseph said no. Someone once said that integrity is who you are when no one is looking. See, Joseph resolved in his heart before the temptation presented himself not to give in and sin against his Lord. You see, Saying no starts before the temptation presents itself. You see, the reason why so many people give into temptation and sin is because they've not resolved in their heart way before that sin presents itself to say no. Just checking. I know half the lights are out, but can I hear an amen? Okay. See, here's, here's where Joseph's relationship. Now, did Joseph make mistakes? Did he show off his coat? Yeah, 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 yeah. He did all that stuff. But here's the thing I want you to see. 
There was something in Joseph's heart that said, I will not sin against my God. See, he made boundaries for himself. You see, here's where the boundaries are. You're not to be alone with another woman or man that's not your wife. You're to guard your heart above all things. You see, this is a, this is a wonderful picture that we see of Christ and how he guarded his life and his heart. I, let, me just, let me just sidetrack just for a moment. Let me, let me go to the life of Jesus just for a moment. Just, just let me show you what Jesus did because I'm, I'm hoping this helps some of us here today. In Luke chapter 4, Luke records this when Jesus goes in the wilderness and he's, and he's tempted by the devil. And, and we know the story. He's there for 40 days. He eats nothing and he's tempted by the devil and, and he makes it through that temptation. But, the, but, but what's interesting, Luke records something for us that many of us will miss because we think, okay, Jesus went in the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He made it through and, 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 and what a great example of overcoming temptation and his weaknesses and, and, and the devil tempted him on, on various things that he, was, uh, that, that he was fasting from and so on and so forth. And, and we, we jump into that story but we miss the very first verse of Luke chapter 4. Listen to what it says. Listen, if you want to overcome temptation in your life, how many know that temptation is always going to be there? It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when we give in to the temptation. But the temptation is not the sin because Jesus himself was tempted. Okay? So don't feel guilty when you see temptation at your door. You can say, I got a choice here. I can give into it or I can't. It's like what Billy Graham says. You see a pretty woman walking down the road. Okay, there's a pretty woman. Keep going. But if you go back around the block a second time to get a second look, you've got problems. Amen. 830 crowd with half the lights out. Okay, now listen. Here's what he says. Are you ready? Luke chapter four. Listen to what he records to us. Jesus, what does it say? Let's say it together. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You see, was led into the Jordan, was, was, or left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, tempted by the devil himself. But Luke records for us that when he went into the wilderness, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was prepared. The reason why we give into temptation is because we are not prepared. Listen, if you prepare your life, that you say, Lord, I know temptation is going to come my way. I know it is. But I want to be full of your Holy Spirit. I want my heart to be guarded. When I wake up in the morning, you say, Lord, I know that something's going to happen. Something's going to tempt me. Something's gonna, my mind's going to wander. But I need to be full of your Holy Spirit. Will you fill me today? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? May my mind be set on you today, Lord. Start your day off that way. You will be prepared. Okay? The, the reason why we give into temptation. See, temptation comes when we're vulnerable and we're weak. And, and, and our minds are not on the things of God. And we're tired. We've had a long day. We've had a stressful day. Kids are driving me crazy. The boss is driving me crazy. And we're, we don't have our minds set on the Lord. Our hearts are not full of the Holy Spirit. Our lives are not full of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is our lives become drained. And day after day after day, the more we, we don't depend on the Lord, the more our hearts and lives are open to the temptation of sin. 
And let me tell you, sin doesn't happen like that. It happens over time. But see, Joseph resolved in his heart, knowing that he put guardrails around his house that saying, this is wrong. To be with another man's wife is wrong. I've been entrusted with everything except you. Now let's go back to the story. Let's go back to the story. So what happens? Well, she comes to Joseph, but I'll tell you what, this woman resolved in her heart not to give up either. And I'll tell you what, that's the way sin is. It's not going to just walk away. So what happens, she comes to Joseph and, 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 and then she finally, finally, the word says, that she tears off his clothes and says, come to bed with me. And so Potiphar's wife is pretty mad because Joseph runs away from her with his garment in her hand. Joseph had some issues with clothes. Man, I don't know what the issues with Joseph. You got the multicolored robe. And so what happens here is Potiphar's wife tells a big lie to her husband. And then what happens to Joseph is he gets thrown in jail. And some would say, see, see, pastor, there you go. Doing the right thing doesn't matter. You see, Joseph knew losing his garment is nothing in comparison to losing his character and sinning against God. If all else, Joseph had his relationship with God still intact. And because of this, he was able to listen to God and not give up and know that God was doing something. But you think, well, well, okay, end of the story, nice guys always finish last, right? Well, Joseph was in jail. He finds favor again. He finds favor with Potiphar. Potiphar's wife lies against him. He gets thrown back in jail. You think, well, this is the end of his life. You think Joseph would have given up. But while in jail, the word of God tells us that Joseph finds favor again. Well, in jail, Joseph found himself with the cupbearer to Pharaoh and the baker of Pharaoh. They got in trouble somehow, and they're sitting in jail with Joseph. In jail, Joseph starts networking. With people. The, these two people know Pharaoh. So he's in jail with these two people that got in trouble, and both of them committed some type of offense to the king. The baker burnt Pharaoh's chocolate chip cookies. I don't know what happened there, but they're there. And um, Joseph has this gift to interpret dreams. So the cupbearer and the baker both have dreams, and Joseph is able to interpret them. One turned out really good for the cupbearer. His life would be spared, but not so good for the baker. His life wouldn't be spared. And so Joseph said to the cupbearer, he says, listen, you're going to be released. And you're going to go back to Pharaoh and just do this one thing for me. I've interpreted your dream. Your life is spared. You're going back to Pharaoh. Don't forget about me. That's all I'm asking. Just don't forget about me. So what happened? The cupbearer forgot all about him. Joseph was there for two more years. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like someone just forgot about you? I remember as a little kid when my parents forgot about me in Two Guys department store. How do you remember Two Guys? Way back? Yeah. Um, it really wasn't my parents' fault. You remember the circular racks of clothes that were like in a circle? 
And I used to like to hide in them as a kid. Well, I'm hidden in those and my mom's going down and eventually we got separated. So I'm in, I'm in, I'm in two guys all by myself, abandoned in two guys, which wasn't real fun. And eventually my mom found me. Maybe you felt, maybe you felt this way. Maybe, maybe you felt that you gave so much into a relationship only to get sucked dry. Hey, moms, have you ever felt underappreciated? Can I get an amen from the moms out there? All you moms sitting in the dark out there. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. You see, here's the thing. We've all felt that way. We've all felt like, hey, we've given, we've given, and then what happened? I'm forgotten. They forgot about me. They, they didn't care, whatever. You see, here's what I want you to realize. God didn't forget about Joseph. He was still working his plan, listen, listen, he was still working his plan even in the desert time of Joseph's life as he's sitting in that jail, jail cell day after day after day. God was still working his plan. Now, here's, here's what happens. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream and no one could interpret it. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer said, aha, there was this guy. I think his name was, was Joe, Joe something. And uh, he interpreted my dream. I don't know. Maybe he's dead. I don't know. Why don't we check, check out, see if he's still in jail. And sure enough, there's Joseph sitting in jail. And Pharaoh got Joseph out of this dilemma. And Joseph was able to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. Joseph goes from the jail straight to the most powerful person in the world. And so he's standing in front of him and basically tells Pharaoh, he says, listen, this is, this is what your dream is. You're going to have seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, which you are going to need to prepare for. There's going to be a huge famine in the land. And so Joseph soon found himself second in command of Egypt, organizing all of Pharaoh's household and preparing for this famine. And because of the famine, it spread over all the land and people, guess what, came to Egypt for food, which included, guess who? Joseph's brothers. Joseph now, the second most powerful person in Egypt, is going to come face to face with the very people that sold him into slavery. Now, now, at this time, probably Joseph looks very uh, Egyptian. And his brothers really don't recognize him at first. But guess what? Joseph recognizes them. Joseph knows exactly who they are. And so they came face to face with the very one who sold him into slavery. And so the question I want to ask you is, what would you do? Joseph had complete power over them. He could have put them in prison. He could have put them in a pit. He could have done all the very things that they did to him. And he could say, you know what? Payback time. Payback time. Did you ever felt that way? You just, just, just give him a Lord, a little revenge, a little revenge. I, 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 the other day I'm driving my car and somebody cut me off going, just flying Flying down 104, like 90 miles an hour. I keep telling Ruth, you need to slow down, Ruth, okay? So, so they're flying down. And I have to admit, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking what? 
I hope there's a trooper up there. I just hope, come on, let God, let there be a trooper. So I can just drive by really slow and go, nah, 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 nah. Enjoy your ticket. It didn't happen, though. You see, that's what we do. We, we, when we're hurt, we want to get back. Because, because we want them to experience the hurt that we have. See, see here's, here's what we do. When, when we're hurt as, as believers, what we normally don't do is go to the person who's hurt us and try to talk that through. What, what do we tend to do? What we tend to do is talk to other people about our hurt. And I pull a little amen out of there. Just, just give me a little amen because you know it's true, right? So what we do is we say, well, that person, do you know what they said? They said this to me. Can you believe it? And then, and then that, that person will say, well, I know it. I can't believe that. Because, you know, so-and-so said that. And, then, and all of a sudden we get this little camp around us because we want other people to know our hurt and we want people to sympathize with our hurt because we think that's going to make us feel better. So within us, there's that, there's a little bit of revenge that wants to get back because you hurt me. And if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And we want other people to know about our hurt. But you know, we know what the Bible says, that we're to go to that person that's offended us, right? Amen. And we're supposed to work that out as, as believers. That's the biblical way. So here you've got Joseph in this situation to really do some harm, to kill them or, or imprison them or whatever he wants to do. I'm sure Pharaoh could care less, whatever you want to do. But I want you to understand the heartbeat of Joseph was not revenge, but God's will. The heartbeat of Joseph was not to get back at them. He, did, he didn't sell short and just look at his own life and say, okay, I need to be vindicated. God says, no, I need to be vindicated. This is my will that's at stake. Not yours, Joseph. You need to step out of the way. As hurt as you are, you need to step out of the way and let me accomplish my will even in this horrible situation. That's when being a Christian and following Jesus becomes really hard. Because we, we've got to get to the point where we say, God, even in this situation, even when I was hurt, even when it maybe wasn't even my fault, you can still work through this and receive the glory and let your plan be done. So what happens here? What does Joseph do? Not only does he forgive them, not only does he forgive what they've done to him, but he reaches out to help them. Look, let's look at Genesis chapter 50. So here's what happened. You need to read this whole account because there's a lot of other things that happen within here that are really cool. You need to read the whole thing, but let's, let's fast forward to the end and how this whole thing played out. Genesis 50, verse 18, it says, His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and said, We are now your slaves, and let there be light. Hallelujah! I kind of like the lights down. It looked a lot more intimate. It looked cool. Okay, so let's read this. I was just hoping all the lights didn't go out, so I'm glad we went the other way. So here's what happens. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and says, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Ready? Let's say it together. Am I in the place of God? What you, you, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? 
What? To accomplish what is now being done. The what? The saving of many lives. So he says, so, so, so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The brothers are expecting judgment and death. And they're falling at the mercy of Joseph saying, please spare our lives. And instead, he shows them grace. He shows them kindness. And he sees that God is willing to do something greater than the atrocities that were done to Joseph. So, so what's the point of this story? What's the point of this story? If we don't see this story in Jesus Christ, you miss the whole thing. See, this story cannot be disassociated with the story of God's redeeming plan. Because if you miss, you can say, wow, Joseph was a great man, integrity, didn't give in to sexual sin. Wow, what a great, then I, I need to be moral and that's my life. Listen, listen, listen. That's part of it. But if we don't connect it to the person of Christ, you will miss it for God transforming your life because then it will just become another moral story. And so how do we connect this to the person of Jesus Christ? Joseph symbolizes exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. This is a story about God's grace redeeming us back. What can we see? A couple things here I want you to see. Number one, you and I don't deserve God's grace. Joseph's brothers did not deserve his grace. Joseph's brothers were at the mercy, complete mercy of Joseph. And Joseph had every right to do what he needed to do against them to get justice. But he does just the opposite. The Bible tells that God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. None of us here deserve God's grace. It is unmerited. It is unfavor. We are all sinners. We've fallen short of God's glory. And the only way we can find forgiveness is falling on the mercy and grace of our God. The minute you think you deserve anything from God, you miss his grace. You cheapen it. The minute you think, well, I'm a good person. I haven't done anything wrong. Look at all the things that were done for me. And then we categorize ourselves like, oh, well, you know, this happened to me when I was a kid. Blah, 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 blah. Okay? The bottom line is you don't deserve it and I don't deserve it. Every single one of us in this place deserve God's judgment. We do. We do. And unless we get this, we'll never understand his grace. And what Jesus accomplished for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. So we don't deserve it just like Joseph's brothers don't deserve it. The second thing is, Joseph actually suffered for his brothers. He went through all that suffering. Jail time, being thrown in the pit, being falsely accused from Potiphar's wife. He went through all that to eventually get to this position where he could save his brothers. That's interesting because Jesus did the exact same thing for us. Jesus knew that his suffering meant our forgiveness. He suffered for you and I when we least deserved it and gave his life for you and I. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, 
for the joy set before him, enduring the cross, scoring the shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, the shame of it, hung naked for you and I, because he knew what it would eventually provide for you and I. He suffered so that you and I could be forgiven. And the last thing I want you to see here is that Jesus sympathizes with our adversity. We don't have a high priest, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 4, that's unable to empathize with our weakness. But in fact, we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet, yet, yet he did not sin. And it, the word of God says, then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of help and our time of need. Here's what Joseph did. I heard a pastor say this and I thought it was brilliant. What sorrow does, which Joseph could have easily done, sorrow looks back. Joseph could have easily worried because worry looks around. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Sorrow looks back and we get stuck in this revolving door. We can never get out of it. But here's the thing that Joseph had. Joseph had faith because faith always looks ahead. And some of you here today, you're stuck in the sorrow because you're still looking back. You're still looking back at all those things that happened to you. And I'm not trying to minimize those things or anything that happened to you because Joseph could have done the same thing. See, that's what started. It keeps looking back and we get stuck in the past or worry. We have so much fear and worry. How's this going to work out? What's it going to do? And then we just look around and we get stuck in this door. But what faith does is faith looks ahead. And Joseph saw the bigger plan of God. That is what gave him hope to continue to move on. So when he was face to face with his brothers and he went through that famine, at that moment, he was able to share with his brothers, listen, what you meant for evil or bad, God meant for good so that the saving of many lives could be accomplished. That's why Jesus hanging from the cross, could look at his accusers and those that spit on him and mocked him. And he could say, Father God, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. Jesus was able to say that because he knew eventually what it would accomplish. He was looking forward. He, he set before him, the Hebrew writer says, for joy, the cross, knowing that he's not going to look at his accusers. He's not going to look at his sorrows. He's not going to look at the way he was treated and abused and lied to and a mishandling of a trial. It was just a whole mockery. Jesus looked by faith, knowing what it would accomplish for you and I here today who have been saved by his mighty hand. Can I get an amen with all the lights on? Amen. So here's how we're going to close this. We're going to crown Jesus with many crowns today. We're going to say, Jesus, it's all about you. You've saved me. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know if, if you've got worry in your heart and you've been looking around and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know if there's sorrow in your heart and it's chained you to your past to where you can't move on. I want to tell you this this morning. When you walk by faith, and you look to God, you will have a hope that will spring up in your heart that you will know that, God, you are still working your plan. I don't see it. I'm sitting in prison. I'm sitting in this dry spell. I don't see it. But, God, I'm going to look with faith because faith looks ahead. And that's what will give you hope. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our 
faith. That is good preaching right there, people. Woo! Amen. Give God the glory. Amen. That is good. It's good. So let's put our faith in Jesus today and let's crown him. Let's worship him. I don't know what you're going through today, but fix your eyes on him. He will fix it for you. You may still wake up tomorrow and still be walking in the same stuff, but you know what? Now you're walking with Jesus and he's saying, I'm using this. I'm using this. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You see, so many times we, we want everything to be neatly packaged and put a little potpourri on it, make it smell good right, right away. We want it to be all set and done. And, and God says, no, I don't work that way. Sometimes I'm going to let you go through it. Because I want to develop your faith deeper than you could ever imagine or even comprehend. I want to develop your faith. Allow me to do that in your life. Amen? What a great story in Joseph. Isn't that a good story? Isn't that good? It's good stuff right there. See, I love the Bible. It's good. Jeez, it's God's word. No wonder why. So let's stand. And we're going to sing. Let's pray. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with today. But let's give that to the Lord. Let, let's, let's crown Jesus today. So let's pray. Lord, we come before you. And Jesus, I pray for your people today. Lord, I don't know what they're going through. I don't know if worries grip their heart or sorrow is gripping their heart. But Lord, we're going to look ahead to faith. We're going to put our faith in Jesus today. We're going to crown him with many crowns. And we know that you're going to walk with us. We can trust you today, Jesus, because you're trustworthy. You've even said, in this world, we're going to have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world, John 16, 33. So we're going to trust you today. And so, Lord, whatever your people are going through today, Lord, I pray that they would put their trust and their hope in you. And we would realize that even the negative things, the bad things that happen in our lives, we can look at them and know that you are still good. You are still going to work your plan, and I want to trust you. And I'm going to trust you. So give me that faith to keep looking forward and not looking behind. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we ask these things. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Let's sing the Son of the Lord. Let's rejoice in him this morning.